This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Fox News Podcasts presents the Brett Bear Podcast. Common ground. There are a number of senators on the Republican side that continue to want to find common ground. We emphasize the conflict and, and controversy sells. And I think it's a problem because most Americans look at Washington and see something that's broken. Why don't we look for ways that we celebrate what this country is capable of doing? It's amazing what you can do when you get off social media and you start talking, communicating with one another because there is common ground. With Fox News chief political anchor Brett Baer. It is time now for our Common Ground segment. Tonight, how congressional Democrats and Republicans are trying to work together to deal with the China threat. Joining us are House China Select Committee Chairman Mike Gallagher and top Democrat Raja Krishnamoorthy. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for being here. First, I, the common ground here is I think you both assume and can say that China is a threat. I guess, Mr. Chairman, first of all, how grave a threat after you've been working on this committee together? Well, in my opinion, I think it's our top geopolitical threat. Uh, no country has the military and combined economic power to challenge us in the way that China, and more specifically, the Chinese Communist Party does. I think it's important, however, in our work, and I think part of the reason there has been a sense of bipartisanship is that Raja and I have been very careful to make a distinction between the party and the people of China with whom we have nor quarrel and are often the victims of the Chinese Communist Party's authoritarianism and increasing totalitarian repression. But what we're trying to encourage our constituents and our colleagues to understand is that this isn't just a distant over there problem for someone else to deal with in the Indo-Pacific. It is a right here at home problem for us to deal with in terms of our sovereignty, the health of our economy and how we defend American values, which are really, you know, we think transcendent values, human rights uh, need to be at the forefront of our strategy. Yeah, Congressman Krishnamoorthy, uh, how big a problem is the imbalance in economic uh, trade? You know, we as a country trade, the trade deficit in goods last year was about $380 plus billion. We sell them $150 billion. They sell us about $530 plus billion. And then you add in the stolen technology in there is about a billion a year. So how significant is that economic threat? It's very significant. In fact, we were actually in Wisconsin. I felt like I was on a diplomatic mission as a Bears fan, uh, move, going to <laughs> territory uh, a couple of days ago to be with Mike, where we had a field hearing at a factory uh, that had absolutely been devastated by dumping by the Chinese company, their main competitor, who basically was dumping products at less than the cost to produce them. And so fortunately, uh, both the Trump and the Biden administration put tariffs in place that, you know, kind of level the playing field and allowed this company to come back. And now it's um, able to really thrive. But we shouldn't have to do that in the first place. They shouldn't be dumping. They shouldn't be hacking. They shouldn't be stealing intellectual property. And yet it's happening all the time. And that's why we have to protect our interests and our values and work with our friends and partners and allies to do the same. 
Mr. Chairman, uh, the administration, the Biden administration, has done some outreach in recent weeks. Uh, you look at the officials who've gone out there, uh, Secretary Blinken uh, mid-June, uh, Treasury Secretary Yellen uh, July 8th, uh, John Kerry uh, on climate change July 18th, and then most recently the Commerce Secretary Raimondo uh, this week. And here's what she said coming back. I pulled no punches in my meetings. They said the right things, and now we'll see how they react. But on the narrow area of emerging technology that they have said, right, they have a civil military fusion strategy. They're crystal clear about their intention. They're trying to get this technology to improve their military, and we have to do everything in our power to prevent that. Washington Post Josh Rogan writes this, uh, re-engagement turns out to be slow boat to China. Despite meeting with Chinese leader Xi Jinping in June, Blinken came home empty-handed. The Chinese government wouldn't even agree to establish a military-to-military -military crisis hotline. The most newsworthy part of Yellen's trip was that she inadvertently ate magic mushrooms, although she said she didn't hallucinate. And Chinese officials rebuffed Kerry's call for quicker climate action. Before Raimondo even arrived, Chinese hackers broke into her email account. Raimondo set expectations so low that her announcement of two new dialogues to manage U.S.-China economic tensions might seem like progress. Unfortunately, it is anything but. Point in reading all of that, presenting all of that, is that the outreach seems to be being rebuffed. Do you get that sense? Well, that's my concern. And admittedly, I think I'm more skeptical of this renewed economic and diplomatic engagement than some of my Democratic colleagues. It seems that we slow roll defensive action just to sit at the table. And then when the Chinese agree to something, they either don't honor it or they, they just sort of string us along in these ta these talks. However, I think one thing, and I won't speak for Raja, but I think one thing that we would both support is the establishment of a military to military crisis communication channel so that we don't miscalculate our way into a kinetic confrontation in the South China Sea or across the Taiwan Strait. However, uh, unfortunately, both the Trump administration and Biden administration have tried to set up such a crisis communication channel, and they keep getting rebuffed by the Chinese Communist Party. All the more reason in my mind, no matter where you fall on this debate of engagement, less engagement, I think we can all agree that Congress should step up and legislate lasting solutions to this problem so we're not bouncing wildly back and forth between different executive orders or different administrations. We have a very important role to play that I think can endure and transcend different administrations. So on the economic front, Congressman, should the tariffs, the current tariffs on China remain in place or should they be lifted? I think that they should be in place, uh, certainly for certain industries where, you know, they're just not playing by the rules of the road, so to speak. There's economic aggression left and right. And, um, you know, I think in other areas we have to see, but I think that these tariffs, um, you know, provide a space for our industry to thrive and to compete. And so in that regard, I think that they are necessary. Chairman Gallagher, when will Congress act? You're obviously talking about a lot of things, but I'll, people want to know, you know if there's a majority here or a bipartisan consensus or any common ground, when would Congress act? Well, we're going to be back in session in a couple of weeks, and there we have an opportunity to act on the military competition line of effort. We'll be considering the conference version of the National Defense Authorization Act. We have critical votes coming up on defense appropriations. So when it comes to ensuring that we are putting hard power in Xi Jinping's path so that he doesn't try and launch an invasion of Taiwan, which could cascade into a, a war that would make what's happening in eastern Ukraine uh, right now seem you know, timid in comparison, there we can act 
I think another area where Rajao and I would like to see action based on our recent investigation is closing things like the de minimis loophole, whereby Chinese companies are allowed to ship things into our country without the scrutiny that they should be facing under the Uyghur Forced Labor Prevention Act. That's something we should be able to do by the end of the year. And then finally, in my opinion, we should stop allowing American money to flow to China, particularly Chinese military companies that are building things like aircraft carriers, artillery shells and fighter jets. I think we could take the Biden executive order on outbound capital flows and improve upon it and pass lasting legislation that would put us on strong footing. Last thing, I'm Congressman Chris Morthy. Is, is it fair to say that there, you're singing from the same sheet of mu music here, uh, that there is common ground on a lot of these things when it comes to China? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, one of the most interesting things that we've learned is that the CCP is counting on there not being common ground between Democrats and Republicans. They love it when we are divided, uh, when we are arguing with each other and fighting with each other. And what they find very uh, intimidating is when we actually come together, see the threat and the issues clearly, and then act in unison. And that's what we're trying to do on this committee. And I'm, um, I'm very hopeful that we can actually get a lot accomplished of significance in the months to come. I don't want to break up that bipartisanship, but the Bears play the Packers on September 10th. Is there a bet that you guys are laying down? or? I'm so happy I to wager something on TV right now, perhaps some, some uh, delicious spotted cow beer or some cheese curds made here in northeast Wisconsin. You name the wager, Raja, and I'm with you. Never bet against a bear, including a Brett bear, <laughs> a Chicago bear. There you go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put Very some uh, deep dish pizza on the line here. Perfect. You heard it here. We're going to play this tape back on September 11th. We'll continue right after this. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. Let me let you listen to this. This is Bob Lighthizer, obviously former trade rep. Uh, take a listen strategic decoupling. I'm not saying no trade. I just want balanced trade. Stop the bleeding. Stop shifting the money. You have to do that. You have to disentangle our technology and then you have to put severe restrictions on our investment going there and theirs coming here. So is that realistic? Can it happen? And can Congress do it, Mr. Chairman? Well, I think we've been having this semantic d debate about selective decoupling or de-risking or diversifying, whatever you call it. I do think there are a few things we can do in bipartisan fashion. As we talked about before, I think putting meaningful restrictions on the outflow of U.S. capital to certainly Chinese military companies or tech industries that are being used to uh, perfect their surveillance state or fuel the ongoing genocide in Xinjiang. That to me is a logical step forward so we don't subsidize our own destruction. And then figuring out in those key areas, whether it's semiconductors, advanced pharmaceutical ingredients, energetics, the things we put into our weapons, how do you onshore the production back here to America or to a country that we would consider within the free world? That's an area where I think we can selectively decouple or de-risk. And then finally, I should say being honest about the risks of doing business in China. And those range from having your assets seized in the event of a crisis over Taiwan to just the inherent risk of something like a variable interest entity for which there's no shareholder protections. 
Yeah, Congressman, uh, the, the Commerce Secretary said it, uh, China may be uninvestable, was the quote. Um, warning, China will be uninvestable without action on raids and fines. Well, that's right. I mean, they're just arbitrary actions, Brett, that the Chinese Communist Party is practicing. We see arbitrary fines being levied on American companies, raids, uh, unlawful detentions, exit bans. Um, we're seeing all types of um, new, fat, you know, the, this counter espionage law is being used to basically prevent American companies from doing due diligence, basic due diligence in order to understand whether to invest and how to do business there. And so when you put all that together, it adds up to, I think, um, what Gina Raimondo mentioned, which is it's really hard to invest in China. And that's why I say, come home, invest it in America, come home to America, deploy that capital in Schaumburg, Illinois, uh, or other places. Um, and we'll make sure that we, uh, we treat your investment right. Congressman Kristen Morthy, are you, by doing that, do you incentivize companies to come home, or is it China, what they're doing is automatically uh, de-incentivizing them to stay there in China? It's a great question. I think when Mike and I talk to a lot, we, we have a lot of private companies come into our offices, and interestingly, a lot of them are already doing some of this, but uh, Mike and I have had these active conversations. Is there a need to potentially put certain incentives in place to accelerate that process or at least to do what might um, to get done what might not otherwise happen Brett uh, because the ecosystem doesn't uh, exist here or um, there might be some other barrier to bringing it here so we need to look at that yeah a couple more things one is uh, technology and uh, mr. chairman we've talked about uh, the threat from AI and what's happening but there is a sense that maybe some regulations are coming maybe something is coming to put some guardrails up on artificial intelligence they're likely guardrails that are not in China at all so that's a tough balancing act as well you know, it's interesting, though, um, in China, they obviously the regime fears any content related to internal dissent or protest. So they actually censor a lot of the models necessary for AI to advance. So we actually our freedom uh, and the fact that we live in a society where people can say what they want, by and large, is an advantage in this area. To me, going forward, I think a few things are obvious. One. Again, we shouldn't allow American private investors to invest in Chinese AI companies because we know they're going to use that technology for AI for nefarious purposes. Two, uh, I also think that the ethical guidelines the Defense Department has for the use of AI are a really good starting point. They're a foundation that we could build off of, extend across the federal government, which gets to the third thing. I think we need to be on the, the same page with our closest allies. I think if we see this AI problem uh, the same way that the Brits do, the Aussies do, and then he can start to extend the concentric circles to our closest allies, then we can not only have the same guardrails, but also pool our resources, human and technological, to make sure that we win the AI race and the Chinese Communist Party does not. And I want to follow up, Mr. Chairman, on something you said earlier about Wall Street firms, U.S. companies investing essentially in CCP military technology and increases in their military, what they're structurally building. Uh, that is happening, and you said there is a way to stop it. 
Yeah, we've launched a, a bipartisan investigation of MSCI and BlackRock, and we just sort of cross-reference some of their ETFs and investments with the various blacklists that exist uh, in, in the federal government and discovered that these companies were on them. Um, and while I guess reasonable people can disagree about, okay, you know, where do you draw the line for decoupling? I don't think anyone defends the idea that we should be making investments in Chinese military companies. Again, some of these included companies that are building advanced nuclear technology. So how do we stop it? Well, I think the Biden executive order is a good first step, but it can go further in terms of tackling not just private investments, but also public and passive investments, as well as making sure that there aren't a lot of exemptions that allow Treasury to wiggle out of certain scrutiny. So that's actually something I think we can legislate and we can start to to, to stop. And it also, I just think Raja and I shining a light on it will have the effect of uh, forcing certain Wall Street actors to think twice before they continue this practice. And last thing, Congressman Christian Morthy, is I see a lot of common ground, and I, not just you two at the top of this committee, but other uh, members, lawmakers, Democrats and Republicans, on the issue of China on Capitol Hill. But is there common ground from congressional Democrats and the Biden administration when it comes to China? Are you on the same page there? Yeah, I think so. I think that, um, as Mike said, for instance, the Biden executive orders are a very good first step. They're an essential step. Mike and I actually wrote to Gina Raimondo and I think commended the export controls that she put in place. But we asked that they be tightened in light of countermeasures that we've seen the uh, CCP take with regard to those initial export controls. I'm also glad that they made these uh, restrictions on investments. Um, but now, you know, obviously it needs to go further as we learn more. Uh, one last thing I would just say, which is that um, it's not just the money. Like the Chinese can get access to other money if they really have to, including Middle Eastern money and so forth. What I'm always concerned about is the technical know-how and the expertise that oftentimes comes with the money that is invested in these companies, especially by our venture capital funds. And, and private equity funds. And so we don't want to, you know, essentially give them both the money and the know-how for them to then uh, grow these companies that could challenge our national security, our values, and then ultimately compete against us on the commercial side and destroy industries. Yeah, all good points. Uh, we will follow this and we love having you on. Thank you both for being here. Thank Thanks you. Brett. Go Packers. Go Bears. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Thanks a lot, guys. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.